Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalhoub, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's Words of Wisdom. Give someone a fish and they'll eat for a day, goes the old Chinese proverb, but teach them to fish and you will feed them for a lifetime. This underscores the value of teachers in our lives, those teachers that don't just hand us what they think we need or what we may need to know. Instead, the best teachers are those who challenge us to go beyond what they teach us and learn more and more from everything and everyone in our lives. And we all need teachers. We need someone to show us the lay of the land, to give us the knowledge that we need, not just to be fed today, but to be able to feed ourselves for the rest of our lives. So this is how the holy operates in our lives. It provides the curriculum we need to learn the particular lessons we came here seeking in this bodily form. And the lessons are different for everybody. They're tailored for each of us to help us transcend our ego and live from that higher divine self. So when we approach both teaching and learning in this way, we can understand that while we are students in many situations in life, in other areas, we're also the teachers. We're learning patience in some situations while we teach patience to others. (laughs) We learn love from some. We teach love to others. We even learn about fear from some, and we are sometimes the teachers of fear. This is the care we need when approaching teaching and learning. Who are our teachers? Who are we teaching? What are we learning from others? What are others learning from us? And when we can become both teachers and learners of only compassion and love, that's the moment we all get to say, oh yes. Here are these wise and holy words from the Jesus story, Matthew 10, 24 through 28. A disciple is not above the teacher nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like a master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become unknown. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. From the letters of the Apostle Paul, Romans 6, 1-4, through 4, What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? It's cheery this morning. (laughs) Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. And if you were raised in a more uh, conservative, apostolic uh, uh, tradition, have no fear. (laughs) (laughs) These these readings will be redeemed, I promise. (laughs) From A Course in Miracles, Chapter 4. Teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because they enable you to change your mind and help others to change theirs. Refusing to change your mind will not prove that the separation has not occurred. 
The dreamer who doubts the reality of his dream while he is still dreaming is not really healing his split mind. You dream of a separated ego and believe in a world that rests upon it. This is very real to you. You cannot undo it by not changing your mind about it. If you are willing to renounce the role of guardian of your thought system and open it to me, I will correct it very gently and lead you back to God. These are wise and holy words. Thanks be to the holy. All creation is holy word. All creation speaks volumes of the holy. Hallelujah. And usually we would sing Woodstock right now, but again, without Bruce and his amazing guitar, I don't think we would do it justice. So uh, Beth and I are going to perform one of my songs. Um, one of the things I'm talking about today are teachers, and I don't know about you, but some of my, my greatest teachers are furry and have four legs. <laughs> and so I wrote this song um, back in 2018 called One True Name, and it is based upon a poem by the 16th century Hindu mystic named Tukaram, and his poem is called First He Looked Confused, and this is the poem, just so you get the gist of the song. I could not lie anymore. So I started calling my dog God. First, he looked confused. Then he started smiling. Then he even danced. I kept at it. Now, he doesn't even bite. I am wondering if this might work on people. Two, three, four...
called my enemy God would I be ready to see their divinity would I be willing to no longer bite and instead Beth, breathe deeply. If I went around the room this morning and I asked you to tell me about your favorite teacher, I'm sure everyone in here could tell me a story about some man or woman who had a profound influence on your life. Probably when you were at a young age. My favorite teacher was Mrs. Hall. She was my high school English teacher. I am friends with her on Facebook, but I will not call her Debbie. (laughs) It just feels wrong. She's always Mrs. Hall, you know. (laughs) She was pregnant during during one of my years, and she was asking us. She said, you know, whenever I have children, she had children before, and she said, whenever I have children, because her last name is Hall, she said, no matter what first name I come up with, they always sound like a college dorm. And so they were asked, she was asking us for, for uh, name, name suggestions. And she didn't really care for mine because mine was like dimly lit. <laughs> Long and narrow. Uh, you know, <laughs> halls. <laughs> come on in, come on in. Come in, have a seat. If, somebody, if there's a bulletin up there, find somebody find them a, a bulletin. Come in, have a seat. Come in, come in. We're just getting to the good part. So. <laughs> All right. So Mrs. Hall. <sighs> but what Mrs. Hall did for me was to stoke my already innate love of words and writing. And she opened up this whole new world of poetry and literature and great writers for me to learn from and emulate. And there have been other teachers throughout the years in high school, college, and beyond who have mentored me, shaped me, moved me forward in both my intellectual and spiritual journeys, especially those teachers who moved me forward when I resisted. (laughs) But the best teachers I've had, though, have not been human. Instead, as I say, they had four legs and fur. My first cat, I was not a big cat person until I was in my first relationship, and she's like, let's have a cat. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So we got this gray cat, and we named it Peeve. Because she was our pet peeve. 
<laughs> and I had learned from my Southern Baptist upbringing that animals, I was taught this, this is the most cruel thing, one of the most cruel things I think you can teach children. I was taught that animals have no soul. That when you go to heaven or whatever, wherever we end up, they're not going to be there because they have no soul. <laughs> that, is, that is complete and utter crap right there. Because I attended the birth of Peeves' kittens. And I have never seen such a soulful creature in my life. And this was not a cat that, this was my partner's cat. This cat and I didn't really care for each other, but she was not around when Peeve had kittens. And th this was a bonding experience for me and Peeve. <laughs> but she lovingly cared for those babies until she collapsed from exhaustion. You've got to have a soul to do that. Another one of my best teachers was a Chow Shepherd mix. My next partner, <laughs> we'll just go through the partners. <laughs> my next partner at the time, we named her Bodhi, which is short for Bodhisattva. <laughs> and she became my Bodhisattva. A Bodhisattva in Buddhism, for those who don't know, it's an enlightened being who is committed to the enlightenment of all sentient beings. And it's said that bodhisattvas have achieved entrance into nirvana. They could escape all of this cycle of death and rebirth, but they choose not to enter until all sentient beings can enter. So they stay here and they teach us. They become our teachers. And that's who Bodhi was for me. Bodhi was an enlightened being who taught me about compassion and patience and unconditional love. And again, this was not my animal. Bodhi loved my partner. We didn't get along, actually. I, Bodhi didn't like me. I didn't really care for her. <laughs> but over the years, it was her patience and her unconditional love for me, even when I was not at my best with her. She softened me to the point of loving her, and she showed me once again, soulful teachers don't always come with two legs, college degrees, and teaching certificates. And I could talk to you all morning. I could bore you all morning. I got pictures. <laughs> I could bore you all morning with what my animals have taught me. But you'd be bored to death. But you know, death really is the point here. Not being bored to death, but to willingly accept the death of our old beliefs and our old ways of being in the world as we learn new and more life-giving ways of believing and being in this world. What then are we to say, the Apostle Paul asks those early Roman Christians in his letter. Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, this death of old systems? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, so we too may walk in newness of life. Old systems fall away. New ones come up. Remember, according to A Course in Miracles, the only sin, or as they say down south, the only sin we ever commit is the belief that we are separate from God the belief that we are separate from other sentient beings on this blue boat we all call home. But if the experience of my furry children has taught me anything, it's that I am not separate from them. Far from being soulless beings, they are bodhisattvas in fur. And they are here to teach me. 
that every living thing on this planet shares the, shares the same spark of the divine that I have? Should I continue believing in the lie of separation so grace might abound? No, because that grace that Paul refers to is what German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer once referred to as cheap grace. And that is the thrill that our ego gets when it appears all spiritual. I'm all, I'm spiritual. Nothing bothers me, except those people over there. But I'm spiritual. I forgive them. But we cling to this idea of separation. So we get that thrill of spiritual superiority. But that's not how it done, it's done, Paul says. Our teachers, such as Jesus, invite us to walk in the newness of life. And we can only do that if we are willing to shed the egoic sin of separation, to repudiate the ego's siren song to be special or superior. It's only when we become open to being teachable, to learning the lessons that life offers in every moment, that we're able to die to the belief that we're separate and we rise again into a new life of unity with all creation. Oh, but we are so reluctant to give up that cheap grace because it pumps up our ego. It makes us feel like we got this spiritual journey thing down. I get it. I can do it. The ego loves to tell us, man, you're doing well. You're making progress. We're just about to be enlightened if we just follow this path. But the ego's path is always seek but do not find. But Jesus says differently in today's reading. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. And here, Jesus is reminding us that only God's plan for salvation will work. And that plan is about denying our separation and affirming our unity. The ego will tell us this is all balderdash so it can just keep us spinning on that hamster wheel of seek but do not find. It's a poor master. It's a worse disciple. All it can teach us is the illusion of separation. The disciple that Jesus talks about is us. We who slumber in this dream of separation, the teacher is Jesus, our elder brother who works through the Holy Spirit to keep us connected to God. The disciple is neither above nor below the teacher, but is like the teacher. We are just like Jesus. We are all children of God, and we are nothing but divine and innocent and the embodiment of love in this world. We've got to be careful, though. When we accept this idea... Because the ego is crafty, and it truly believes that what Jesus calls the master or God is the one who is truly out to get us. It projects its own fear, its own anger and hatred and anxiety onto God, and it calls anything associated with a spirituality of unity the house of Beelzebub. How's that for a band name? Is that a good band name? But we see it all around us in these egoic religions that preach division over unity. Anything that falls outside of its theological orthodoxy is called being of the devil, the house of Beelzebub. I remember when my education about spirituality and sexuality finally led me to accept my sexual orientation as God's gift and not a curse. I was called all manner of names and a member of the house of Beelzebub was probably the most polite. (laughs) 
Many of those who attacked me sent me death threats. They wished me a speedy descent into hell, and I can say that didn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy. (laughs) Indeed, it made me scared. I mean, that Jesus guy, though, says, we're not to fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So what does that mean? Well, the Greek word you hear used for him can be a little bit misleading. It's simply a part of speech that can mean a particular person, but it can also be more nebulous, meaning like this or that. So Jesus is saying, don't fear anything, neither this nor that, which we believe can kill this bodily form. And what I believe Jesus is talking about here is our ego, because if you look deep enough, you'll see that the ego is the source of so much, perhaps all, of the violence and death in this world. Our egos, both personally and collectively, can drive us to harm others in the name of greed and competition and, most often, religious dedication. You only need to watch the news for five minutes to see that the collective ego is already leading us down this path of bodily and earthly destruction. It was Kurt Vonnegut who said that this generation of Americans will be the ones to destroy the earth because saving it is not cost-effective. Nobody laughs because you know it's true. (laughs) If we have ever needed teachers in this world to save us, we need them now. And our ego tells us that great teachers only come from outside of ourselves, those people you admire. And that's been our experience, after all. Others outside of us have taught us things. But according to a course... Teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because they enable you to change your mind and help others change theirs. And jubilance, we're not called to just be learners in this world. We're teachers too. The disciple and the teacher are the same because we are both the learner and the teacher. Despite the physical evidence, we're not these separate bodies. We are just one. And if you believe that, then you can awaken from this dream of separation and help others do the same. A course says that the true purpose of teachers is for us to outgrow them and realize that the greatest teacher we have is already within us, that higher divine self. And this is why Paul invites us to die to the ego. And Jesus invites us to defy it by exposing its lies about the world. When we reach the point where we realize that we have outgrown the ego and that it has nothing more to teach us, we are free from fear. And at that point, we can do as Jesus instructs, telling in the light what we have learned in the darkness of the ego and proclaiming from the housetops that the still, small voice of God is still whispering to us, love, peace, joy. These two equal teachers, Jesus, working through the Holy Spirit, calls us to awaken, first within by breaking down those barriers to love, and then to embody that love as God's teachers in the world. However, we're not the only ones who feel afraid when we begin to learn new things and we start to perceive the world in a different way. Because dying to our old beliefs, it's scary. But seeing us live into that newness of life that Paul talked about, It's threatening, not just to our ego, but to the egos of others. Years ago, you might not 
be able to tell it right now, but years ago I taught Weight Watcher classes. <laughs> Weight Watchers was the only thing that worked. And so I got so good at it, they made me a teacher. And so what I warned participants about is something author and spiritual guru Martha Beck calls change-back attacks. I told them, as you begin to lose weight, you will find that the people around you will feel threatened by your new way of life. They may not know it consciously, but seeing you begin to make positive changes may make them feel bad about themselves, so they begin to do things to undermine you. They will constantly invite you to eat unhealthy things with them or say things like, I thought Weight Watchers wasn't a diet and you can eat anything you want. (laughs) Every person in the room went, "Uh uh-huh. Because they had experienced it already. I mean, if it was your first day on Weight Watchers, maybe you hadn't, but if you've been doing it for a while, yeah. They knew that kind of pressure. Because they were in the process of dying to an old way of living and trying to emerge into the newness of life. And often that pressure is overwhelming and we give in. We just go back to the old ways and beliefs because it's easier. I saw it repeatedly both in Weight Watcher rooms as well as the LBGTQ community where people would take these tentative steps to reconcile their sexuality and spirituality And old spiritual authorities would just threaten them with eternal hell and back into the closet they would scamper. And it's also why there are a lot of former Weight Watcher (laughs) participants. (laughs) Me being one of them, sorry. (laughs) I know what to do, I just don't want to. But there you go, (laughs) I'm too old. So Beck recommends that we must face change back attacks with respect And sometimes, honestly, consider the feedback. I mean, sometimes those seeking for us to change back are right, and we might want to consider that some of the changes that we're making might be ego-based and not really spiritually driven, and that's why we need teachers to keep us from making mistakes. But if we know from that deep place of inner wisdom that we're on the right path, we should never allow the egoic fear of others to knock us off the path. Sometimes they can delay us, But we have to remember that any belief or practice that reinforces our belief in separation instead of the innate knowledge of our unity is not a true path. It never will be. Finally, though, it has been my furry four-legged friends who have helped me the most in my quest to connect with my higher divine self and find that ultimate unity. They've done that, reminding me of the most profound truth of all. And that is simply, I say simply, but it's not, but it's simply to be present. Animals never worry about the past, and they don't plan for the future. They don't sit around talking about their glory days when they were puppies. You remember when we used to have all that energy? (laughs) They don't worry about having enough kibble to retire. All of the animals that I have loved and lost over the years lived every moment fully in the present, right up until the moment that they died. All the animals that remain with me are doing the same. They live fully right here and right now, whether that moment holds the joy of a delectable treat or a belly rub or the terror of a vet visit. 
Or what? Or asleep. Or asleep, yes. Dude's doing what we all want to do right now. <laughs> I mean, but there he is, right? I mean, he's just this little sleeping ball of peace. <laughs> the best teacher any of us have, jubilance, is right now. This present moment. Because it gives us the freedom to make choices, either based in fear or in love. Change back attempts try to tempt us to make those choices based on fear. But love would have us choose to die to the sin of separation and to find ways in every moment to affirm our unity with those around us, even, maybe even especially, those who infuriate us or we see as doing injustice or evil in the world. It doesn't mean you don't act to stop them, but instead of reacting from that place of fear, we instead are acting from a place of love and compassion. We act from a place that acknowledges our oneness instead of our separation. This is what all the animals know. In this bodily form, the present moment will always be our best teacher. When our bodily form passes, we no longer need that teacher because we have once again melted back into the unity that we have always been and will always be. And that jubilance is true wisdom that ought to make you say, oh yeah. Thank you for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week, and until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, Oh yeah.